0: when productivity meets party with your girl party perry are you ready to turn turn turn, turn, turn. turn up your happiness turn up your success and everything in between learn how to have fun while getting all your stuff done grab the word solo cup and a pen because we are about to party Hope you have your red solo cup ready and your pen because this episode is going to be jam-packed with everything you need to know about savings and investing. Partiers, we're going in on it. We are going in. I hope you have your notebook. I have mine out today. I'm going to be real with y'all. I'm not the best saver. I currently have more debt than revenue coming in, so I'm super excited to learn from Doug today. Doug is only 33 and owns several properties around Las Vegas. He bought his first house at 20. Like, okay, like, We're going to get into that today. I'm super excited. He has multiple streams of income, and he is just overall just amazing guy. He is so handsome, so I'm excited (laughs) to have him on the podcast. Welcome, Doug, a.k.a. Doug Wubbs. What is up?
1: Hey, thank you for having me. That must have been the best introduction anyone's ever given me. Um, I'm happy to be here today. I'm happy to talk about savings and investing and hopefully answer some questions that you or your listeners might have. Uh, I would like to just give a disclaimer before we begin. I'm not licensed to give any investment advice, but I am able to share my story with you, uh, my ups, my downs, my party fouls, see a chug, send a chug moments, if you will. And hopefully if I can inspire anyone to really just get their finances in control and think about the future, I'd be happy to help. So. Thanks for having me here today.
0: Yeah, of course. I wasn't gonna do the CHUG Cinder Chug, but since you brought it up, what mm. was your um CHUG Cinder Chug moment this week? Of the week?
1: Uh I'm pretty sure I locked in a very nice vacation. I'm gonna take my girlfriend on. Uh I made some arrangements to make, you know, special weekend together. So that was one thing that happened to me that I'm happy to uh, share.
0: Oh, wow. She must be so beautiful since you're so (laughs) handsome. What a lucky, what a lucky lady. Um, My CHUG chug this week is just having guests on the podcast. This is my second podcast interview this week. Super excited to give you guys an all-star lineup. Um, My party foul, um, kind of doing this last minute. We're going to do this today, post it tomorrow, but you know, we're still getting things done. We're still getting things done um do you have a party foul
1: yeah well i don't know if you'd call this a party foul but i've known i was going to be a guest on the show for a while and i i knew some of the questions ahead of time uh and i could have looked them up and really give you a scripted thorough response but uh i'm ready to go today i'm ready (laughs) to just you know off the top of the dome uh let's talk about savings and investing
0: let's do it all right let's do a little intro about yourself what do you do for your day job how long have you been in Vegas I know you're a raver what's your favorite artist sure
1: okay so uh I'm a carpenter I've been a carpenter for uh since 2006 so about 15 years now um I I knew I wanted to get into carpentry I kind of had it split between carpentry and real estate um either way I knew at a, uh, at at The age of a teenager that I would be interested in real estate flipping houses one day, and I thought that there was two paths I could go: the real estate uh, white collar side, or the carpentry blue collar hands on side. And I thought carpentry would be a little more exciting for me, so I've been a carpenter. Um, I've been in Vegas since two thousand, so I've been out here for twenty one years now, and then uh, my favorite. Grave artists. I'm really into Rhythm. I like Ganja White Knight. Hey, rhythm Squad. I like uh, Son Holo. Shout out to San Holo. And I like Rez. Uh, I, I like it all. I'm just here for a good time. Me too. Cool.
0: I'm here for it. All right, so let's dive right in. We're just going to be talking about savings the first part. So when did you know that it was important to save money? Okay.
1: So I've had early memories of seeing, um, my mom have money concerns and I've always, I was raised in a house with three siblings and a single mother. Um, and she did really good at never letting us know how close or how financially burdened she was, but you know, it was expensive for her. Um, and I remember seeing my mom struggle making payments. And I remember being a kid and asking her like, oh, can you buy me this toy? It's only $60. How much do you make? And I was just a little kid. Like I had no right to ask my mom that question. And I saw like the struggle when she would like have, like answer me and be like, you don't, you know, this is not something you should concern yourself with little boy. But I just remember seeing it was hard for her to not have the money she would have liked to spend on us. And I knew um, that's something that I would like to have under control in my future. So I did have a good childhood growing up, but that was when I knew it was important to have money.
0: Nice, I like that. I know there's different ways to save different savings accounts. Can you name a few which ones are your favorite? Okay, so basically
1: any savings account that you will use is a good savings account for you. Um, So you wanna find the right one for you. And there's a couple of different ones. There's traditional savings accounts that you can get at any bank now, and they have a really low interest rate. Um, What you're seeing with online banks now is high yield savings accounts. And they're similar to a savings account, except the interest rate reflects the market's interest rate. So when the market's interest rates are up, you make a lot of uh, a higher return off your money that's sitting there. When rates are low, like they have been for the last 10, 13 years, uh, you get less of a return. Um, There's also a money market account, which is uh, a nice hybrid account in between uh, checking and savings uh, and also with a higher return on it. Um, but that is something that can usually require a higher deposit and maintain a higher deposit to use. And then there's an account called certificate of deposit, or you might have heard uh, CDs. Um, And what this is, is an account where you can uh, get a guaranteed return on a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time. And it doesn't matter if the market goes up and down, Um, typically you don't get the best returns on this, but it is safer. So those are a few accounts and, uh, just to get you familiar with a few of the accounts out there.
0: Which ones do you have?
1: Uh, I've had most of these. I've never needed a CD. Um, I would say my first savings account was just cash, uh, as a a child, just saving up you know, money from birthday cards, and um, my second savings account I ever had was a traditional savings account that my mom had to co-sign for me because I was under 18, Um, and once I could, once I did turn 18, I got interested in online savings and high-yield savings accounts, Um, so they're safer than investment accounts. Um, but your money is still sits there. It just takes a little bit longer to withdraw when you need it. Um, so those are a few of the ones that I've, I've used so far. So investment accounts
0: are a little bit harder to withdraw from.
1: Yeah. So they're more volatile. Um, I wouldn't refer to an investment account as a savings account. Um, because you want that money to sit. Uh, and you, you don't want to be tempted to take it out. So you want that money to ride the highs, ride the lows, um, and really just not think about taking that money out unless, you know, there's a, an emergency.
0: Is there any pros or cons with any accounts?
1: So with savings accounts, sure. Um, I would say if you're just saving cash, uh, the, The biggest pro would be you have cash on hand, which cash is king. Uh, And then if you also just have cash on hand, it's losing value. So there is something called inflation. uh, And what this is, is every year your money becomes less valuable than the year before. Uh, And this happens through printing money, uh, costs going up. Um, some jobs protect employees through a cost of living raise or increase. You may have heard of this. Um, so the biggest downfall, downfall of having cash is just losing value. Um, a high yield savings account is good in the sense that you're actually making money off of just your cash sitting there. And sometimes it's higher than the cost of inflation. Uh, but it could take a couple days to withdraw your money uh, if you needed it for emergency car repairs or something. So uh,
0: that would be one of the downsides. How do you save? Do you have like little like saving buckets? What's your <laughs> buckets.
1: So my strategy, once I had my own bills and moved out of my parents' house, is I really like the idea of writing down all my expenses. And I would be generous and I would think of, you know, what could I possibly have an expense for? And I would come up with this number and I realized there's a lot of room in my income to actually save money. So once I was able to see what I had extra, I was able to hold myself accountable to this number and make sure I put
0: that away. Uh, Nice. Um, budgeting and all that stuff is how do you budget do you use like an app do you put anything like excel or is it just in your phone notes what would you recommend if you've never done a budget what would be your like your first step to do
1: okay so there are some apps that make it easy um just spending apps um the first budget i've ever wrote for myself was just an excel spreadsheet and i just went down the line and i just did you know my mortgage payment, my utilities, my internet, my gym membership, my grocery bill, my gas bill, uh, my cell phone bill, uh, unexpected car expenses, expected car expenses. There isn't anything you can't predict. Um, And like before, when I said I was generous, I give myself, oh, maybe I spend an extra two or 300 this month. And a lot of times, like, that doesn't come into play, but sometimes it does, but it, it all pretty much averages out over the year, and it helps you to see a bigger picture of being able to see how much you can put away. So even if you have a, a dream of putting away X amount of dollars, even if you come 80% of that number, or 70%, or 60% of that number, that's still really good. So... The, the first step to succeeding is just showing up and caring and then making the effort to get there. And over the years, that'll you'll be proud of yourself for trying.
0: Yes, start somewhere. The first step is trying. Go out and do it. So the next thing I want to talk about is just credit. What is credit? What are like the levels? What's a good credit score to you? Okay. So credit is essentially
1: your worthiness of a loan uh, from the bank's or the lenders eyes. um, And it's how likely you are to repay them. So you've heard no credit is the same as bad credit. And all that means is you haven't proven yourself to repay yet. And there's what banks like to see or lenders like to see is you have a history, probably in the same career. How long have you been at your job? Uh, Do you consistently pay your bills? Do you have late payments on your bills? Do you have assets? Do you have money in the bank? Um, And this is all something that gives you options as you start to need credit. So the lower the credit you have, the less w- credit worthy you are from a lender's point of view, they actually charge you more interest, which means you're gonna pay them more money to borrow the same money over somebody who has proven themselves to be credit worthy.
0: Can you define what interest is? I just wanna make sure that everyone's on the same page because we've okay. talked about it a couple times.
1: Okay. So interest is uh, the money that is earned on the principal. So the principal is the initial term or deposit or uh, total number for the loan. And then interest is a percent. Uh, So the interest is how the lender is going to make their money in, in this case. So if, if you, if you ask me to borrow thousand dollars and I'm the lender and I say, sure, you can borrow thousand dollars, but what's in it for me. There's actually a chance that I might never see my thousand dollars again. So as the customer, you say, well, I'll give you plus a thousand plus certain percentage. And then depending on your credit worthiness. I can say like, okay, I'll give you a thousand, maybe I'll get 200 back. But if I don't trust you, it's more like, I'll give you a thousand, but I wanna get 2000 back. So it's really your score for securing a loan from a lender.
0: Um, What is good debt and bad debt? I know we kind of mentioned it. I was always told like good debt is like going to school And then bad debt is just excessive shopping, just like Mm. on your credit card.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. So I would say a good debt is something that you can invest on yourself and possibly see a return on it in the future. So if you invest in a degree for yourself and you say, well, this is going to help me get to the next level in my career, that's a good investment. Um, If you buy yourself a house because you don't want to pay rent anymore, you want to just start paying down the principal on a home, that's, you know, that's good debt. Um, If you are buying festival tickets on your credit card because you're, you don't have the money and, but this is something you got to, you know, that's something where you have to start making decisions about living outside of your means. Um, So not that I'm against festivals, but guys, I'll tell you, it feels so much better when it's in your budget to be there.
0: I agree with that. I, my very first two EDCs, I put straight on my credit card, and I still have some interest on that, so do not put festivals on your credit card, do the payment plan if you need to, but 20, what is it, 2021? Wow, 2021, we are no longer putting Festivals on credit cards. (laughs) How do you get um, a high credit score? Any tips to just building your credit?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I knew from a teenager that I was interested in getting into real estate and I wanted to buy a house as fast as possible. Um, So there's a couple ways. So like I said, um, one of the ways is uh, how long have you been at your job? And um, this is something that an underwriter is going to look at. An underwriter is someone who works for a lender and just really gets to see your whole financial case instead of just one big bank, check yes, check no. This is a guy who kind of looks at you from the human standpoint and says, what can we do with this person?
0: <laughs> the human standpoint.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um, staying in the same career field is going to help you. Um, Putting utilities in your name. So cell phone bills, car insurance bills, um, you know, whatever bills you can think of at 18. So when I turned 18, I asked my mom to put the family cell phone plan in my name and I paid it. And that was, I couldn't have bought a house when I did, if I hadn't done that, because that was a line of credit that I showed I was trustworthy to pay for, you know, two, three, almost three years. Um, Let's see. And what was the other part of your question?
0: Um, just ways to build your credit.
1: Okay. Um, so also getting a credit card. Um, when you first turn 18, you might be lucky and a bank might send you a credit card. Um, I applied for a couple of credit cards and I got turned down at 18 because I had no credit. Um, And that kind of, you know, left me a little spiteful towards like some of these banks. Um, But I wasn't discouraged because I knew I could get one. Um, There is something called a secured credit card. If you have trouble getting a regular credit card or a traditional credit card, there's a secured credit card where you actually put money on it first and it gives you you know, the Visa logo or the MasterCard logo, and you can use that. And your credit limit is the cash that you've already given them. Um, So this is just another way to put another bill in your name that shows you're consistent on paying people back. Um, And then also I recommend paying down your credit cards. Uh, So I've always looked at credit, especially a credit card as I would never put anything on there that I couldn't afford to pay off this month. So if you look at a credit card as like, Oh, I can get the TV. If I can put it on my credit card, you can't afford that TV in my opinion. So I would put, if there was a TV that I put on my credit card, that's fine. I paid it off at the end of the month. Um, and this this was my system to keep me accountable for my purchases because I've had friends that got into debt very quickly and it got out of control and it can get overwhelming. And I often think back to my earliest memory of seeing my mom struggle with you know bills, and I I've never wanted that feeling for me. So this has always been my relationship with credit. Um, so I I would recommend using your credit card for things that you can afford and then paying it off in full at the end of the month.
0: Nice. Circling back with like your mom, I've had my mom struggle too with finances and it's so true when you're a kid, you're like, can I have this? And you, can I have yeah. that? And it's like, so right. Like we do have food at the house. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't need to go out.
1: <laughs> and it's normal. A lot of families have, you know, credit debt. Uh, And it's just something that I feel I've never had a talk with my parents about money. They've never tried to tell me like, my mom is just like, I don't know how he got good with your money. Like, it certainly wasn't for me. So uh, people grow up. It's not something we get taught in school. You know, we don't learn how to build our credit in school. Yeah. So this is something that it's important. And it's just not in our culture to, it's in our culture to learn it the hard way. So uh, if there's anything I can take away uh, from this conversation today, um, it doesn't have to be hard. So you can take control and it starts, you know, whenever you're ready to.
0: Yes. Everyone, can we get some snaps for Doug? That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Um, so I'm going to go straight into investing, which is something that I struggle with actually. I struggle with everything—the savings, the credits—we go into another struggle of mine. How do you build wealth for yourself?
1: Okay, so when you talk about wealth, this is something that brings you up to the next level. Um, so savings can get you so far, but it—savings can't build wealth. And what I mean by that is it takes more and it takes an investment in yourself to build wealth. So traditionally there are three ways that I like to talk about where you can build wealth. Um, the most simplest is investing, um, stocks. So a stock market will get you, um, to the next level. If you do your own business that can get you to the next level investing in yourself and also real estate. Uh, And real estate is um, something that I've been interested in. Um, So I'm a little passionate about that. Um, But any of these are a great strategy to take your savings and really um, just get you to that next level.
0: When me and Doug were just like going through the questions and everything, he was super excited to talk about his investment portfolio so what is even that and what is in yours and do you need to like go to somewhere to get it created okay
1: all right so an investment portfolio is pretty much where you have your money allocated um and it's separate from savings in that this money can go up this money can go down and there's risk involved and you have to determine like what risk factor you're comfortable with Uh, and part of that is how long you're going to have the money in there um so the first time I opened an investment account I believe I was 21 and I I saw a at the time I was under the impression he was a financial advisor um and I told him that I wanted to invest in the stock market I didn't know what I was doing I just knew like stock market it's a good time to invest (laughs) Um, and I told him I want to be aggressive, and I made that clear, and he says, okay, we'll fill out this form, so I filled out the form, and I don't know what I bought. I bought a couple of, you know, stocks, which today I, I knew that they're called mutual funds. Um, okay, what's a mutual fund? Okay, so a mutual fund is a collection of stocks um, that kind of Uh, hedge your gains and losses. So instead of being heavily invested into an individual stock like Apple or Tesla, um, you're in a broader, you're in a collection. You could have Apple and Tesla in there and also have medical stocks and also have space exploration stocks. Um, And so if one stock specifically gets hit hard, it's spread out because you have a group. Uh, in one fund. So this is uh, a mutual fund and it's actively managed. Uh, so if one stock is doing very badly and people predict it's going to do worse, the uh, the man, the fund manager can actually get rid of that stock and just get it out of there where you don't have to do anything. Uh, you do pay a fee for this. Um so uh, different fees for different funds, but essentially uh, you're having someone manage it for you. So that was my first uh, fund that I got for myself. And, you know, I learned some lessons on that one. Um, the, the fund that I bought uh, wasn't as aggressive as I'd like it to be. So when the market jumped up, I didn't have these, you know, wealthy riches. All of a sudden I was, you know, middle of middle of the line um there's also a fund called index funds and these funds are also managed um where in the same sense that if something is doing good or bad it can be sold Um, and these index funds have much lower um cost serviced fees which makes a difference in the long run because if you're paying somebody you know two percent to manage your fund and they take 2% every year, that adds up over 10 years, over 30 years, 40, 50. Um, And you can find some index funds that have, uh, you know, fees as low as, you know, a 10th of a percent, which is 20 times lower than some of these mutual funds. And an interesting fact about uh, index funds is, So they can they typically go with the market. Um, There are some companies that like to brag about how they have record gains above the market. But in my knowledge, there has never been an investment firm that has done better returns than just the overall stock market for 30 years, they might have a really good decade. And then they'll try and sell you on, oh, our fees are a little higher, but look at our return. And they're not guaranteed to continue that return. And actually nothing's guaranteed. So what I had learned from my experience with who I thought was a financial advisor was somebody who sold me a mutual fund that he probably made commission on. And it was a fund that you know, I, I look at it as less of a financial advisor or more of a salesman. Mm-hmm.
0: I do want to talk about, so you bought your first house at 20. I know a lot of my audience, like I still live at home. People are renting or, mm-hmm. you know, living in apartments. So how I think buying a house is a very proud moment in someone's life. So to do it so young is like, holy shit, like that's so amazing. So what was your first step with that? Like how much money to even put down on a house? Yeah. Um, where did you get your loan from? Just like through your bank? So
1: I would say the first step is, you know, my mission statement. I knew I wanted. Oh, oh hey. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm a, not only a guest, I'm also a listener to Productivity Perry. So my mission statement was that I wanted to afford a house for myself. So I started saving my money Um, and I I lived with my parents until I moved out. I did, so I actually, I was looking for a house. I had enough money saved up when I was 20 and this was just through my work. I was a carpenter um, and I kept my expenses down.
0: I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you're loving this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. I would truly appreciate it at the bottom of my heart. I am doing a giveaway for a lucky listener. If you leave a review, I will be giving someone a 25 starbucks gift card it's pretty much me paying for your starbucks for a whole week so leave a review please and thank you also follow me on the socials on the gram on the gram you know Follow my personal, Party Perry. Follow the podcast, Productivity Perry. Don't you love how I did that? Don't you love it? Follow both of us. Screenshot this on your story. Tell a friend about this podcast. Go to partyperry.com for all the show notes. All right, let's get back into the episode. So
1: after I knew, my goal was I was saving up for a house. I was able to put away a certain amount of dollars every paycheck and just kind of let that grow. And the account I had at that time was the high-yield savings because I knew I was going to need my money soon, within you know three to five years. Um, And I didn't want it to be exposed to a risk. So even though it could have gone... The market could have gotten higher, and I could have gotten more of a return. I, I just needed that money to be there for me when I needed it. Um, so that was the high yield savings account that I used for my uh, for my first house. Um, I knew that uh, I I was nervous the first time I applied for a loan because I'm just this little kid, you know, barely got any hair on my face. And my mom was, like, dropping me off to, you know, some of, you know, her friends who were loan officers. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's see what we can do. And my mom always thought, you know, wow, this is really important to him. Like, I would co-sign for him if he, if he needed me to. Um, and I, I knew because I had been preparing, um, I would never need anyone to co-sign for me because I was able to control all of these factors for myself just by knowing what I wanted and just taking short steps to get there. So I don't remember if I saw a real estate agent first or a loan officer first, but these people work hand in hand and it's really just taking the first step. So if you go to the loan officer first, you know what you, what's in your price range. If you go to the real estate agent first, you know what's on the market. So it's really one or the other. And then as far as a down payment for loans, um, there's different types of loans, obviously. Um, The conventional loans are called conventional loans. Uh, And there's a certain percentage you can put down. I I believe they would like 20%, um, but loans change. And now I've seen some conventionals for 5%, some for 10% is common. And there's a bunch of different variables in there. You know, I could go on about this subject. Um, It could be a whole nother podcast talking about your options to getting into real estate. Um, And I was prepared to do a conventional loan um, when when I bought my first house. But I noticed some trends in the market. This was back in 08 when the market was, you know, starting to come down uh and i had a good chunk of savings that i was prepared to put into a house um and when i ultimately what it came down to is because people started getting laid off from work i felt more comfortable with that savings for emergencies in case i lost my job and i had enough money to you know get me through some hard times in 09 if i needed it but i ended up paying a higher interest rate for my house because i decided To not put as much money down so the program i ended up using was a government loan program called fha loan and what this does is it allows you to put down three and a half percent of the home value so for me at the time it worked out to be around six thousand dollars um which is very affordable that's so affordable my mouth literally dropped Yeah. And there's
0: also my mouth, my jaw.
1: (laughs) And there's also been programs ever since that actually give you um, money for buying homes in Nevada. And some of this money is repayable and some of it's not, it's just your money for buying for being a first time home buyer. Um, And you don't find this out until you go out and start looking. So talk to a real estate agent if you're interested Talk to a loan officer. This is all. Um, there's only you know one way to find out what's out there for you. And once you know, there's so much power in knowing because you might surprise yourself. It might surprise yourself like how close you are to that nice life that you've you've wanted.
0: I'm just gonna try and take the first step. So something that my mom always said was something that people cannot take away from you is your knowledge and your mind what you know so very true i'm learned so much in this podcast already i do have a couple of more questions for you um how do you feel about online currency are you into that you got the online so, stuff
1: so in my portfolio i don't have online currency or cryptocurrency um there was a chance where I could have invested in it. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't know anything about it. And I've watched documentaries on it and I've had friends explain it to me. And I think at the end of the day, when you invest your money, it should either be like, yes, a hundred percent I'm in, or it's a no. Uh, so I can tell you out of my portfolio, the the best returns i've ever had on my investment was when i'm so sure about something and i say how can i be wrong and it makes sense for me and it might take a while to get there but i see this happening and then the worst returns i've had on my investment is just listening to a friend and they say like trust me you know this is going to happen and i'm just like wow like what a hot tip (laughs) and i go and you know i don't invest beyond my means so it's all money that I have set aside and I weigh the risk. Um, so if you're passionate about cryptocurrency, I would you know, suggest that you recommend, or I would suggest that you invest in it. What makes you comfortable? Um, for me, I think there could be a spot for it in my portfolio, but I, I don't have anything in there right now.
0: Do you have a money regret something that you wish you would have done differently?
1: Uh, So I wouldn't say regrets. It's all just paying for experience. So my portfolio is kind of diverse right now. And it's because I don't know what's next. So I don't know if the real estate market's going to go up or down. I don't know if the jobs market here in Las Vegas is going to go up or down. Um, so it's really hard to predict. So I have my money in three different categories right now. So I have my investment money, which I keep putting money into the stock market, but stocks are really expensive right now. Uh, they might be, they might be in my opinion, overpriced. That doesn't mean you should invest. Um, it, it could just mean, uh, you don't want to dump everything in one in one time you could spread it out you know month after month after month and then that that price could fluctuate um but stocks keep going up so i also have money in cash savings because i don't know if there's going to be a really good deal for on the real estate market or if bitcoin is going to go down and i'm like oh well now is a great time to buy bitcoin because i have cash So, and then I also keep
0: uh,
1: spending money on rental properties, but um, I just kind of have everything diversified for me because like I said, uh, I'm not trying to catch this big break. I'm just trying to beat inflation, have money set aside for emergencies, and then one day have, you know, a nice retirement because... That's something I'm capable of
0: working towards, and it's in my my power. So. Yes, it's in your power. Harness yes, it. Harness it. Um, so about the rental proper properties, are you technically like a property manager? How does that work? How is it like having, you know, tenants? Mm, I've been lucky
1: enough to have really good tenants in my experience. I would call myself a property manager because. I fill vacancies, I deal with the tenants, I collect payment. Um, this is something uh, an outside company would be happy to do for a percentage of the of the rent. So this is uh, something I've taken on. I also handle maintenance. Um, but what I like about being a property manager or a landlord is I have the type of personality where I'm either hundred percent in or I'm just like, nah, fam, like sit this one out. He's a Libra. <laughs> such a Libra, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> um, so with rental properties, if you get a call from your tenants, it's an emergency. Like they're telling you like, Hey, I got something leaking. Or hey, it's a hundred degrees outside and this air conditioner is not working. Oh like this yeah. I remember that. So I I like being able to give a hundred percent on a job, knock it out. If there if my rental property is vacant, I can give a hundred percent, do all the touch-ups, any repairs, any upgrades, and then I can just, you know, sit back and collect rental in- income until the next emergency. And it could be at nine o'clock at night or six o'clock AM. And it's just, boom, you know, put your game face on and go to work. And it's caused a couple of long days for me. Um, But a lot of the income feels passive where you just collect it. So it has its pros and cons. But for me, it's something that's worked out so far.
0: Yeah, when I first met Doug, he just got the first rental and was fixing it up and I helped paint, guys. Mm-hmm. It was nice. What do you think was your biggest emergency you feel so far? Mm. Uh, OK, the one that caused
1: the most headache. So this rental property had a shared wall.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: yeah, it had a shared wall with a neighbor inside of the dwelling, but it was a condo. Um, and I got a call from my homeowners association that said, your unit is leaking water into your neighbor's unit. And that was, that was the call. Uh, so I ran over there I was in my flip flops, you know, it took me, you know, 20 minutes to get there, but I was there on the scene and I go inside and there's nothing leaking on my side and I shut off all the water and the neighbors like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's your leak um, this has happened before with other tenants, whenever someone moves in and I was like, all right, well, we'll figure it out. And, uh, it wasn't, it was definitely a nuisance leak for my neighbor, uh, but it wasn't, you know, gushing, it wasn't a broken pipe. So thankfully, you know, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I ended up investigating the leak. Um, I paid for, a, a leak detection company to come out. And they were able to determine it wasn't my leak. It was my neighbors. It cost you know, 10 cents to fix, but I just had to do all of this investigation and pay money to prove it wasn't my leak. And my neighbor was really cool. Um, but that was something I've I learned the a hard way. I wouldn't say it was a regret because I'm happy. I did my due diligence. You know, I was, I did the good neighborly thing. Um, it was a stressful week
0: it was really stressful for sure I do have a couple more just a few just a few what do you say to people that say that they can't afford to save or they can't put money away right now
1: I would say that you can't afford not to save and invest in yourself
0: wow can you say that again
1: I said you can't
0: afford
1: to not save and not invest in yourself um, because you're important. If you're not investing in yourself, where where is your money going? Is it just going to food? Is it going to family? Is it going to you know your relationship? Your money is a tool that you can use. To get anything you want and not everything you want, but you can work for what you want. Um, So, if you are just making decisions to just say, like, oh, I can't afford to save, I'm just gonna Grubhub tonight, you know, that's what you want. So, just realize that you're subconsciously making a decision to do things that are easier and it has a short term reward instead of something that has a long-term reward. So.
0: What motivates you to save?
1: um, What motivates me is, I like to have options. I don't like to feel uh, like I'm out of options. And if I can make my own options or even make my own luck, um, I'm motivated for that. So, People who have a higher credit score typically pay less interest on things that they buy. And honestly, I don't like people making money off of me. So uh, that could just be me with a chip on my shoulder. But I personally don't want people making money off of me. So if I can buy a car cash, if I could buy um, something with a lower interest rate, I get so excited about that. So that gives me, you know, a real feel good feeling. And like I've made a good deal when I do make a financial transaction.
0: Nice. This is something I'm going to ask all the guests. So what does productivity meets party mean to you? How are you able to have fun and get all your stuff done? How do you do it? Can you share some tips for the audience?
1: Yeah. So I think that partying is only fun when it's a reward, a well-deserved reward. If you just live a party life day after day, it just becomes remedial. It becomes what you're used to. And it's not special. When you celebrate your successes, there's really meaning in that. And it actually motivates you to keep going. Um, So when it comes to productivity meets party, I will say for me, one of the most important things for me is getting a good night's sleep. I've I've, I've had late nights over the years, but I don't do too many in a row. So I make sure that I get enough sleep so that I feel good the next day. I don't miss any opportunities because I'm too tired and I really make myself there um, for whatever may come up. Um, I would also recommend coming up with a long-term goal and working backwards and just seeing what short-term goals uh, you can t- just use to take baby steps to get there. Because once you come up with your goal or your mission statement, it becomes that much, it, 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 once it's on paper, it's so much more obtainable and you can see how to get there. Um, so those are just a couple of tips.
0: I love it. I'm such a believer of what's the point of partying. If you can't celebrate your successes, honestly, though, like what's the point? Let's party and celebrate all the wins in our life. Write your goals down definitely get your notebook, put it in your phone, do something. Thank you, Doug, for coming on the podcast. I'm doing a new segment. It's going to be the listener of the week. This week, it's Doug. Thank you for being (laughs) a listener. Thank you for being a podcast guest. I just want to, he was the very first person to leave me a review. Dougie444 said, Perry is a free spirit driven by success. Listening to her podcast, I feel like I'm hanging out with a friend looking forward to more episodes. Thank you so much, Doug. If you are loving this podcast, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. hit that subscribe button, join the Facebook group. Everything will be linked in the show notes. I love you guys so much. I will see you same time, same place next week. Have a great night. Herdy, herdy.